There is little the Jedi can do to stop us now. I've watched many an Imperial officer make the same assumptions about the Rebellion. Even I fell victim to the heroics of a single Jedi. Never again. Bucketheads, Mavartigar. Welcome to our 219th Grand Admiral's Great Escaping episode of Mandovision. I'm your host, Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. The best way to find us is on social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share this show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. Well, how is everyone doing? We've had an, an evening to uh, process our thoughts, our feelings, the conclusion to what I believe will be season one of Ahsoka, and many things left up in the air. Uh, we sort of speculated that that might be the case last week in our episode, uh, because it just felt like there was just too much on, 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 the, on, the, on the plate. Like, we weren't going to get to everything, and... Uh, for for better or worse, depending on your opinion, uh, the story uh, focused singularly on uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn's efforts to leave Peridia per, uh, and, and, and return to the main Star Wars galaxy in force with his uh, Legion of the Dead, <laughs> which is, just sounds so weird to say, but that's is that not what's happening right there? So <laughs> it's a big episode, a lot going on, and I'm really, really excited to be able to talk to you guys about all of it right here. Uh, it's, it's so much to get into with this one because, you know, we, we talked about a little bit last week. Again, as we said right from the outset, there's going to be a lot to get into in this episode. Um, I guess my big concern is, and what I want to know from you wonderful audience members out there, from the wonderful people in Buckethead Nation, was this episode, and sort of the show in general, uh, and this isn't, this is, mm, I got to temper this, I got to be careful with what I'm about to say here because I, let's put it on the record. I greatly enjoyed the series. I had a lot of fun with it. I really, really enjoyed it. I liked a lot of it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was fun. But there was a certain uh, 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 paint-by-numbers-esque feel to it. You know, everything felt like it was supposed to happen. Everything that happened 
that was supposed to happen happens. And that doesn't mean that you don't have a good time getting to where you're going, right? Like, these things needed to occur. We all know what needed to occur throughout the course of this series. And we get, ultimately, we get where we're going. And the question is, did we have fun on the ride? And for me, the answer is yes. I had a really good time on the ride to where we were going. But there was no big reveals. There was no big shocking revelations. There was no, there was no twists of the plot. Uh, and, and as I mentioned in last week's episode, you know, the, the tension was never ratcheted up sufficiently, in my opinion. Uh, the, the stakes were always what they were from the outset of episode one. No, nothing ever was, was raised or, or um, um, adjusted once they got to, to Peridia and, and began to, to see what, what was going on with Thrawn. And, you know, again, I doubt I'm, I, I, we haven't dived too much into it in this podcast, and I'm sure other podcasts have talked about it, but the, the obviously the, the, the uh, comparison between Perdia and Purgatory has to be mentioned in this episode in particular uh, because of where it leaves our heroes at the end uh, as, as uh, roles become reversed by the end of this, of this episode. And so now, uh, you know, at the end of Rebels, in the beginning of the season, the villain was in purgatory now he has escaped and our heroes find themselves stuck in it uh and as ahsoka says they are where they need to be but again that aspect of the story i think is the most interesting part of it and and we barely scratched the surface of that in season one and and we'll talk about that and i what i'm referring to specifically is is balan's quest uh which will come to a uh, um at this point, I can only imagine it will come to a less than satisfying conclusion uh, due to the, the passing of Ray Stevens. Uh, whether they decide to uh, go forward with Balin as a character uh, and, and recasting him uh, with another actor, which, uh, depending on, on the role you had for, for Balin's skull, feels like it might be the right move, uh, just because I'm so fascinated by the character. But, uh, you know, you will lose something by not having Ray Stevens. So that's something for the for for Dave Filoni and and his his team to consider, or you know, do you just sort of dispose of Balin quickly uh, and tell his story via Shin Hati, who now also, um, despite being told by Balin to return to the New Empire, is is now stuck in in purgatory as well, uh, seemingly by choice. And I sort of wonder, I sort of wonder if that was a late reshoot and 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 to to maybe adjust the ending of the, of the series uh, for to compensate for the passing of Ray Stevens several months ago. I don't, I don't know that for sure, for a fact. I have no idea if that was the plan from the get-go. But, but part of us has to wonder if, if maybe they, they went back and they, they laid a little groundwork uh, to compensate for, the, for losing Ray Stevens in, in season two. Uh, and, and again, that was sort of like my biggest uh, uh, bummer moment at the finale of the episode was Oh, cool! We finally get to see Shin and and Balin at the very, very end of this episode in one of its little mini epilogues, and um, <laughs> all it does is tease more Shin and Balin that uh, you know we the uh, the audience already know will not come to pass because of the of uh, the the untimely, the unfortunate, the sad passing of Ray Stevens all too soon, uh, and and. Now we sort of wonder, like, what will become of the character of Balin Skull? And, you know, knowing Star Wars, I'll never address it directly. <laughs> but, you know, leading up to uh, what is hopefully the inevitable season two of Ahsoka. 
but yeah, a lot to get into in this episode, a lot to kind of talk about. Again, a lot of it's straightforward, but it's not because it's not cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in this episode, a lot to get to. Things we talked about, things we speculated come to pass. And we can touch on the Gods of Mortis, obviously, because that was a big uh, moment in this episode. They were sort of teased back in episode one. And obviously, we've all been sort of waiting for something. Like, that's been one of the big rumors about the series is that there would be more connections to the Gods of Mortis arc from three, uh, from season three of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Obviously, we got to see the Moray, which was awesome. A nice little callback to those, those episodes, and as well as a nice reminder and, and of... of how that connects to Ahsoka. And we'll talk about that. We'll get into more details here. I don't want to spill everything. I don't want to put it all out on front of the street right now. Let, let's go ahead and, and talk about our episode. In, uh, let's just get the propers out of the way, right? Let's go ahead and do it. This is Ahsoka, season one, hopefully. Part eight, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. Clearly a tie to uh, C.S. Lewis's Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, the whole Narnia thing. Uh, Dave Filoni is on the record as saying how uh, uh, the Narnia books were a big influence for the creation of the world between worlds. So there's there's sort of a a, 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 a sort of <laughs> uh, just a nice little wink and nod really to CS Lewis. That's all I'm going to say about that, and, and and paying a little bit of homage to the inspiration for that. Uh, original air date was October third, twenty twenty three. The episode written by Dave Filoni, directed expertly by Rick Famuyiwa, who we all know is one of the best uh, directors of, of of big action sequences. In this new Disney Plus era of Star Wars, he's been doing a great job on The Mandalorian, on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, every episode Rick's touched is, is, is you know there's going to be great action sequences uh, and, and just directed the, the holy heck out of them. And that's exactly what he does here. He brings the thunder on that front. Our primary cast, of course, this week is Rosario Dawson, Natasha Lou, Lou Bordizzo, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ray Stevenson. Did I say Ray Stevens earlier? Sorry, Ray Stevenson. My goodness. <laughs> oh boy, sorry. Ray Stevenson, uh, <laughs> Ivana Sacno, Diana Lee Inosanto, David Tennant, Lars Mikkelsen, Iman Esfandi, Hayden Christensen, Wes Chatham, Claudia Black, and that's pretty much our primary cast right there. <laughs> and you know, we never talked about Claudia Black being one of the night sisters, one of the great mothers in in this. But uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Farscape, so uh, that was kind of a cool moment when I realized that's who uh, that Claudia Black was playing one of the Night Sisters. I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, big t- big shout out to Farscape. Uh, check it out if you've never seen that show. Uh, great, great sci-fi if you're looking for it. Uh, and I believe there's going to be a new uh, 25th anniversary Blu-ray set coming out uh, in October or November if you want to check it out in a uh, uh, upscaled format. Get on it, people. Good, good stuff. All right? So those are the episode particulars. Our plot, then let me tell you, it's a big one. <laughs> the heroes race to prevent Grad Thrawn's escape. Okay. Well, let's hope that works out for him, all right? Let's go ahead and get into our episode proper. You know what that means. It is time. Strap on your buckets, and let's go. Who told you how to build a lightsaber, anyway? Kanan Jarrus. Is that so? Yeah. He was my master. Tell me everything I know. And I taught him how to build a lightsaber. What? Of course. Now it all makes sense. How could you know him? Sabine? I told you, I taught almost every youngling at the Jedi Temple, including your master. Clever boy Caleb was. Very curious. A little shy, perhaps. Well, who can blame him? 
Those were troubling times. How old are you? Old enough to know that the relationship between a master and an apprentice is as challenging as it is meaningful. Well, of course you need Huang and a ship full of Jedi lightsaber component building <laughs> things together so that when you get Ezra, he can build himself a new lightsaber. Duh. No, it's a wonderful scene. I loved it so much. I was actually surprised uh, how it hit me emotionally uh, hearing Kanan Jarrus' name dropped by Sabine in the episode. And then even the nice little t the, the nice little touch by Huang of, of referring to him as Caleb, his name before he became Kanan Jarrus when he was hiding from the Empire. Of course, he was a Padawan Caleb Doom. And uh, at, at, as we saw in the beginning of Bad Batch, it was the first episode of Bad Batch, we get to see Caleb, uh, young Caleb, and, and, and how he sort of survives Order 66. And... Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised at how that moment sort of hit me. But what's also really nice about that sequence is is, is hearing Ezra talk about Kanan as his master and taught him everything he knew, and and you know it would probably you know sort of admitting that he wouldn't be here today if not for for Kanan's training, and the effect that it has on Sabine as she sort of has to process her her relationship with Ahsoka. Um, and she's gonna go have that the the inevitable heart-to-heart -heart with Ahsoka here in just a moment, but we also get a really big piece of information uh, at the tail end of this this conversation between Huang and, and Ezra uh, that helps sort of crystallize some stuff that was still sort of in the dark for us, and I'm going to go ahead and play that, that sound clip right now so you guys can hear it straight from the droid's mouth himself. Here we go. What happened between those two? What did I miss? Ahsoka became afraid that Sabine was training as a Jedi for the wrong reasons after what happened on Mandalore. Which was? At the end of the war, the Empire purged the entire surface of the planet, killing hundreds of thousands. Her family? Were all lost, sadly. At the time, Ahsoka felt that if Sabine unlocked her potential, she would become dangerous. So what that helps crystallize for us is, is the timeline in which Mandalore was destroyed. Uh, we sort of we weren't really sure. I know on the on probably in previous, gosh, probably back in season two of the Mandalorian, we sort of speculated that the the Night of a Thousand Tears might have been why Mandalore sat out the Galactic Civil War uh, because perhaps they'd been neutralized by Moff Gideon. Uh, now it sounds like it was not so much that that it actually connects back to Operation Cinder which we know from Battlefront 2, the video game, uh, but was also has been referenced in Season 2 of The Mandalorian uh, because that's what Bill Burr's character had a connection to before he left the Empire to become a mercenary. Uh, so that, that helps crystallize our timeline a little bit more. Uh, it still doesn't really answer... We, we still don't know where Sabine and Ahsoka, what they were up to during the Galactic Civil War. Uh, I would still like to know more about that. But, hey, we got an answer. We got some information... Our, our timeline is sort of cr focusing and crystallizing a bit here, and so that's a nice piece of information. Uh, and now we're going to get the heart-to-heart uh, -heart between Ahsoka and Sabine. And, you know, it's inevitable, right? Like, this is one of those sort of pay-money-run moments. Like, you know they're going to reconcile. They're going to come together. They're going to be on the same page. Ahsoka, uh, Sabine has learned a valuable lesson from the gamble that she took. 
uh, and 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 Huang and Ezra have helped her see that that the the master and apprentice relationship is a strong one, and uh, she shouldn't spit in his face quite so much. <laughs> That's sort of my take on that. But <laughs> but this gets us aligned uh, for our heroes to to rally around and, and make a, a valiant effort to to stop Grand Neville Thrawn. It's again, three Jedi versus uh, the the might of this Imperial Remnant, the might of Grand Neville Thrawn, and the night then the magic of the Night Sisters. Um, what we didn't talk about was from the from the beginning of the episode was was Morgan's elevation uh, into a, a more familiar visage of of a Night Sister to what we are familiar with, right? Uh, the the markings on the face and uh, the channeling of the Night Sister's magic to draw forth the blade of Talzin which was something we haven't seen since Star Wars The Clone Wars. I believe that was in an episode uh, where Mother Talzin squared off against uh, Mace Windu, and we saw that that sword could go toe-to-toe with a lightsaber. Uh, so using their magics, they're able to draw that into existence from wherever it's been. Uh, you know, perhaps... I, I, I wonder if the Night Sisters use some sort of like pocket dimension magic, uh, you know, they sort of like just like tuck these things in there, and so it doesn't matter what galaxy you're in; you can just have access to it, kind of like a like Mary Poppins purse. You just put your hand in, and you pull out what you need. Uh, I sort of wonder if the Night Sister magic works that way. Uh, it doesn't matter what galaxy you're in necessarily; you can still access that sort of uh, interdimensional vault and, and and get your resources that way. Uh, but it's a neat trick, and again, I, I sort of like seeing uh, Elsbeth transformed into a more visually familiar Night Sister. Uh, and this teases up for the rematch that we know we're going to get to, which is going to be uh, uh, Elsbeth versus Ahsoka. We saw it in in season one, two of the Mandalorian when we first caught it with live action Ahsoka. Uh, you know, Elsbeth had that uh, that that Besker staff that that fared well against uh, lightsabers, and now she's going to have something else that's going to fare well against lightsabers as, as in in in, in uh, the rematch between Elsbeth and Ahsoka. So. Again, we're sort of we're sort of queuing uh, uh, it all up, right? Like everything's getting put in its place, and it's a nice touch. And as that opening shot of the bad guys kind of finishes with Thrawn in the center, the ties launching behind him. I thought that was super cool looking, by the way. Great visual touch on that. Really love that effect. Um, I'm sort of, I you know, when we were first reintroduced to uh, Thrawn here on Peridia. The Night Sisters, you know, we speculated on this podcast that it, that there was some great conflict that maybe has occurred there, and I I really wish we had gotten to see more evidence of of that being the case, but now I'm not so sure if maybe like it's just not dwindling Imperial resource resources after, you know, almost what eight ish years in ex- exile here on Perdia since since the Battle of the Thal to now, um, I, I'm 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 curious if that's the case or not. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more visual evidence that there was some kind of conflict that Thrawn helped the Nicesters with, which is why their partnership is so strong, or if it was simply a survival thing and he was able to like coerce them into helping him so that he could help them, uh, like a sort of mutually beneficial uh, pact uh, to get the heck out of there. Uh, again, I, w- I wish we got to see more evidence of, of what exactly has been going on in the last five years. I still want to believe that they're that they were involved in some sort of conflict, uh, that that Thrawn came to the aid of the Night Sisters in some regards, and maybe we'll get more information on that 
down the road as 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 Balin Skull launches his investigation into the the power that's calling him on the other side of the planet. Uh, but yeah, it would have been nice to get a, l- a few clues, a few little crumbs would have been nice for us. But you know, again, they they really focus on the here and now for Thrawn and getting him off this planet and back into the main Star Wars galaxy. That's sort of the priority of this episode. And they do a good job of, of sticking with that. So despite us knowing that it was coming, uh, I do want to play a clip from the reconciliation between Ahsoka and Sabine because, uh, again, this sort of connects a lot of the tissue that they set up in the episode of The World Between Worlds, Ahsoka confronting Anakin, embracing the fact that Anakin was her master. And, and, and again... This whole series has been underlying the master and apprentice relationship, and now Ahsoka can approach it differently with Sabine. So I think it's important to play this, and uh, for us big time Star Wars nerds, it's, it's it, it kind of hits on on some emotional levels. If you are a fan of the Clone Wars, you know what I'm talking about. Let's just go ahead and play it out. Over the years, I've made my share of difficult choices. Often, no one understood my reasons accept my master. Anakin. He always stood by me. Even when no one else did. That's why, no matter what happens next, I'm going to be there for you. Now, have you kept up with your training? Okay, we'll stop it right there. That hits all the spots we needed to get to. Um, <laughs> because what's coming up next is the big action, the first big action sequence, right? Those two TIE fighters that we saw deploying. They come, they find our heroes the, with, the, with the No-T, who are, are you know, being, doing their nomadic shell life kind of thing. Um, and opening fire on them, right? Uh, but it's Sabine! Who leaps into action, taking the T6 and and using it to uh, destroy both Tie Fighters uh, in a unconventional method, uh, rendering the T6 inoperable for the time being. Uh, what this tells me, and and again, you the the Bucket of Nations is is a smart, savvy audience, and so as we watch Hawang begin to do repairs on the T6. Uh, I think that tells what that tells most of us is that well we're getting the T6 ready for its dramatic return at a, at a really important moment uh, in in Act Three of this episode and it's exactly what happens and again like I said there's nothing wrong with that you know we can know where we're going it's just sort of like the fun of getting there but it's it's very it's it's less dramatic when it's a trick we've seen at this point I mean like just dozens and dozens and possibly hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, in the past, but it doesn't make it any less fun. So <laughs> it was it was hard for me not to think like, oh, well, you know the T6 is going to show up at some point when it's really, really important because, again, all of our heroes are trying to get off the planet, uh, so a T6 might come in really, really handy at some point. And you sort of wonder how they're going to do it. Like, oh, are they going to be able to like ride the wave of, of the Aya Scion? Are they going to attach themselves to the Star Destroyer? You don't really know exactly what's going to be the, the, the case. Uh, but you have to wonder. That, you have to think that the ship's going to come in darn handy if they're all going to get out of there. 
but <laughs> that's not quite the case. But the T6 still does come in very, very handy here. Uh, but it does set up our, our, our main engagement here, which is three, well, two and a half-ish Jedi <laughs> charging the Night Sister Temple in an, in an effort to stop Thrawn and the Night Sisters from, from leaving Peridia and returning to the main Star Wars galaxy where they will kick off a new galactic civil war that can only spell doom for the fledgling New Republic and its already uh, uh, bureaucratic nonsense that's not prepared for what Thrawn will bring and the, and the, the, the chaos he will unleash upon the galaxy. But as our heroes make their charge, let's just check in with Thrawn anyways because Lars Mikkelsen, killing it. Let's, let's do it. Comscan is tracking two targets incoming from the north. Good. Rain hellfire upon them. There'll be no negotiating with the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. And then our heroes charge with hellfire raining down upon them to the Night Sister Temple. And, you know, another piece of information that was given to us right before that. Right before our heroes make their charge, they assess the temple, and, and Ahsoka asks Ezra uh, if there's anything he knows about this location, how to get there, and maybe like a secret access point, a way to sneak in, right? Something like that, maybe getting some information. Um, but and, and Ezra, Ezra tells us that Thrawn found this place. He Thrawn himself is the one who woke the witches, that they were in some sort of hibernation before his arrival. And again, this I, this, I does this mean that that... They've just been in this like partnership, waiting for years and years and years. Or was there more going on on Peridia? And and Ezra's not telling us if there was. And he seems like he may have been removed from the action if there was as well, because he said it was too dangerous to ever come back to this place with Thrawn and the witches there. So he's just kicking it with the note on the other side of the planet. Um, <laughs> and you know, again, I want that information. I want to know more. Tell me more. But this leads to that heroic charge. And this leads to our great, our first great lightsaber conflict, which is Ezra, Ahsoka, and Sabine going up against the stormtroopers, the volunteer, excuse me, the 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 death troopers, if you will, the uh, <laughs> the night troopers, I think is what we're calling them. Excuse me, I'm, I'm butchering myself here, stepping all over myself because I'm, I'm getting ready to talk about the actual death troopers, the literal death troopers that are coming, and because, okay, great lightsaber fight, Rick Famuyiwa doing his thing. Uh, Femi, you, uh, you, I, I'm slipping over myself, but that's all right. Rick does a great job directing this, as he always does. This time, getting to play more with lightsabers uh, versus stormtroopers. It's very classic Star Wars elements, right? Very, very engaging, fun, fun stuff. And then when our heroes think that they've, they can advance, that this, this legion of stormtroopers has been dispatched, we see the Night Sisters on top, engaged in their dark magics, as, as Thrawn has instructed them to do. And we see those stormtroopers rise again. This time, that green Night Sister magic flowing over their corpses, inhabiting their eyes, their their eye visors. You can see like that greenish tinge in there, letting us know that the zombie effect is happening, and that we're getting a very different sort of stormtrooper battle here than we've ever seen before. And if you know the old the old expanded universe stuff, you may remember the Death Troopers novel, which was was a Star Wars attempt at a zombie story. Uh, which I actually thought was very successful. I really enjoyed that book. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, so sort of seeing elements of that book kind of come to life via the Night Sisters magic in this episode, 
was was pretty cool. I really did enjoy it. You know, later on in the, in the episode, we get to see actual the literal death troopers become literal death troopers. Um, when, when you see the, those resurrected death troopers, like the, the with the, the the helmet broken just enough so you see like that zombie mandible jaw uh, snapping at 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 Sabine uh, in the episode. It's it, it's very it's a very different take for Star Wars, and I'm wondering how a lot of people are, are processing it. Like a lot of like the Star Wars fans who didn't watch the the Clone Wars who don't have that familiarity with the Nice Sisters and their magics. Like, are you into this? That that's my question for them when I when I go to work today and I get to engage with everybody. It's like, are you into this? Are you are you digging this? Is this working for you? Or, you know, I want to know if it's too outlandish. You know, the big question I've had for for audience members watching the show who don't have that familiarity with the Clone Wars and with Rebels itself is 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 like do you are you lost at any point in this like is is there a point in which this is too much and you're just like what's going on here uh, and i've i've had i've heard mixed results on that front so uh it, it'll be interesting to see where they land after this finale has has, has after they've watched this finale and and you know by and large it works for me but again i i'm in for a penny and for a pound I've, i saw this stuff in the clone wars we talked about this stuff weeks ago on on the podcast uh, so it, it's it wasn't new, it wasn't exciting. Like I said, it's a little bit of that that pay by never thing. Like we're we're sort of checking the boxes that we set up weeks and weeks ago in earlier episodes, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's really cool to see it come to life. And I really did enjoy that aspect of it, like seeing those stormtrooper bodies kind of get reanimated and and come up off the floor. Was it as uh, dramatic? As it was when we saw something similar, you know, several years ago in, in Game of Thrones, when when the Night King raises raises his army after Jon Snow beat everybody. No, 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 that wasn't quite as dramatic as all that, but still very cool, very well executed, and and I was uh, quite delighted by it. Uh, so this changes the stakes now for our heroes as they work their way up the Night Sister uh, uh, that, that tower to the pinnacle there where they have to get aboard the Chimera and stop the Chimera ultimately is their plan. Uh, but now they're being pursued by an army of, of stormtroopers that get knocked down and then get back up again. They are the embodiment of Chumbawamba, and they cannot be stopped, unlike Chumbawamba. That was ultimately stopped for the good of all humanity. And uh, that is a neat element, you know, watching them beat down a stormtrooper, you know, slash a stormtrooper, de- deflect a blaster bolt into a stormtrooper, and then see that stormtrooper just get back up again. Uh, it's a very fun element. Uh, I'm really glad Star Wars is sort of embracing that this go around. Like, I think they're having some fun with this idea, and I can't wait to see what they do with it, uh, possibly on a grander scale next season. Uh, that's what I really, really, really would like to see. <laughs> and we'll see if I actually get to that point. So as the Jedi make their advance, Morgan Elsbeth reports to Grand Admiral Thrawn, and Thrawn's about to make a big ask. He doesn't think it's that big of an ask. <laughs> but Morgan Elsbeth may have a different opinion on it. We are ready to depart, Grand Admiral. The Jedi are advancing swiftly. At this rate, they make it on board the ship, which would be problematic. We require a little more time. the Empire. Uh, 
I don't think Morgan's super stoked initially <laughs> to to take that on, but this says this sets up our rematch here as we as we are now at the the top of the tower, uh, where the where the Night Sisters weave their magic spells, uh, and we get to see again. Here's those little the literal Death Troopers are arriving, but Grand Amalthron, Enoch, uh, and and the great the great mothers themselves aboard the Aya Scion, uh, so that they can depart. Peridia and make their escape. This is also our moment. Uh, the little the Death Trooper holding a uh, holding. Oh, I almost said Ahsoka holding Sabine up. We get that moment finally, right? We we it was teased earlier. You know when Ahsoka asked Sabine if she's been maintaining her training, she's been working on things, and you know it's not like she hasn't been, but situation is often dictated that she has to stop doing that so that she can pull her blaster and, and do that instead. Uh, well. Get in a callback to to uh, a similar situation on Hoth in in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Sabine reaches out, dr- pulls her lightsaber, and is able to take to engage it just in time to stab it through the head of, of the Death Trooper trying to kill her uh, in a very very cool sequence. And then she's able to decapitate the other one in a, in in the next uh, a, a flick of her wrist. Basically, uh, very very cool stuff. Uh, another again. The action sequences in this episode are so phenomenally directed. Uh, it, it's hard to get angry at at anything going on in the episode, right? Our, you know, our heroes are in peril. There's a lot going on. Ezra, Sabine, Ahsoka, all in, in different levels of engagement here with with uh, with our, with the villains, right? With what's going on. It seems all is lost, but not never. Never is all lost for our, for our heroes in the Star Wars galaxy. Not so fast. So let's set up the big moment, right? Let's go ahead and do it, right? The ship's pulling away. It's going to be a big jump. Ezra's going to make that jump with the assist of Sabine. And, and this is sort of like that that uh, uh, um, do-you-believe kind of moment for Star Wars, right? Like, do or do not, because Ezra's putting his life in her hands. Can Sabine now access the Force on a, on a regular basis, right? She, she bought the lightsaber. Does she now know how to tap into it with enough confidence that she can boost Ezra on his jump so that he makes it onto the Star Destroyer to return to the main Star Wars galaxy. And he does. And it looks like we're poised for, for him to return the favor. She'll make a force jump, and he'll pull her aboard with his uh, more reliable force powers, <laughs> force efforts, maybe is the better word to, to use uh, to describe it. Uh, and that seems to be what's going to happen, right? And then we cut back to Ahsoka versus... Versus Morgan Elsbeth, and all seems to be lost for Ahsoka, right? We, we, you know, we're sort of led to believe as the audience that that Ezra and Sabine have made the jump, that they're on the Chimera, they're ready to get out of there, uh, and and Ahsoka surrounded by stormtroopers. So, uh, Morgan Elsbeth has her on her knees and decides to taunt because that's what you do when you're a Night Sister. You taunt the Jedi when they're in their moment of weakness. Your friends are dead. will die here, alone. Not alone. And there we go, our heroes spring into action once again. The Master and Apprentice united to make a valiant stand against this horde of undead stormtroopers and Morgan Elsbeth with her, with the Blade of Talzin. Uh, now powered by Night Sister Magic in a way she never had been before. Meanwhile, 
the the chimera and the eye of cyan are pulling further and further away as we go and Thrawn issues the order to destroy the Nicester Temple, to blow it to the ground, raise it to the ground, excuse me. And that's when our heroes will make the leap off the edge. And, oh, what's waiting for them? The T6. <laughs> so, again, we, we know it's coming. We know it's there. Like, we see our heroes running towards the edge. And, and we know what they're going to jump onto. We know what's waiting for them down there. But it's still exciting. It's still a great moment to see. A lot of fun. Really cool. And a great moment for, for Huang to swing in there. And, 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 you know, give our heroes a, a, a chance to snatch victory from the Jaws of Defeat, perhaps? Perhaps? So our heroes are in hot pursuit of the Chimera and the Eye of Scion in the T6. Uh, when Grad Amalthron decides to open a channel to have a communication with Ahsoka Tano, I did want to play this a little bit because it's pretty cool. Ahsoka Tano, allow me to commend you on your efforts today. You've been quite a worthy opponent. Can you not get me any more power? I regret we haven't met face to face, and perhaps now we never shall. Still, I know you, because I knew your master. I concluded your strategies would be similar. One wonders just how similar you might become. Perhaps this is where a Ronin such as you belongs. Today, victory is mine. Long live the Empire. And that, that, in case you couldn't tell, was the Chimera and the Aya Scion blasting into hyperspace with those supergiant uh, hyperspace engines. Uh, I love that effect. I think it's a really cool effect when you're going to go uh, extra galactic here in, in the Star Wars galaxy. That, 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 that just that shockwave that, that blasts the ships that are behind you and, and sends them all, the, all askew. Um, a great effect and a great taunt by Thrawn as he's departing... Uh, Perdia and and this this uh, purgatory he's been in uh, in another galaxy, uh, taking a shot at Ahsoka, trying to trying to cast a, an aspersion on her, right? Like, oh, I know who your master is. I know who your master becomes. How much? How much? How similar are you in that front? You know, is there a is there a, a Darth Darth Ahsoka coming your way? No, he's not. You know, but trying to again, it's just sort of like these parting shots, these little uh, jabs uh, that that Thrawn has for her that I, I loved so much it was so excellently executed and then the whole lung of the empire at the very very end of it before he blasts off and leaves them in the dust uh and you know again it was looking bleak for our, our heroes we were like well how are they going to get on board how are they going to get you know back home uh and we speculated that we weren't sure that was going to happen last week you know we said that was a possibility and that's this the route they decided to go so with no options left, our heroes, they turn back to Peridia and they go back to the Noti. And this is when we get our first our first big connection to to the gods of Mortis. Uh, it's been something that's been speculated on since the series began. Uh, there was a, you know, we see uh, images of the father, the daughter, and the son. Uh, in that temple that Ahsoka gets into to find the map in the very first episode. 
we didn't do a, a big dive on that uh, when it was shown in the episode because I really kind of wanted to see where it went. Uh, and this is really the first time we're picking up those threads is, is right now, this moment that's happening on the screen, back with the Noti, uh, sort of, you know, Sabine feels like they maybe have, have been defeated. But Ahsoka looks over and sees the moray, the, the owl-like creature that's followed her, that sort of is the embodiment of the daughter. Remember, the daughter sacrificed herself to resurrect Ahsoka in that Mortis arc. Uh, so now the essence of the daughter is in Ahsoka. And so there's been speculation, like, what does that mean as far as who will embrace the essence of the father, who will be the representation of the son? These are things that, that have been speculated about for a while now. And, and you know, even going back to, you know, it, 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 if you go back to the Mortis arc, it, it seemed that, you know, Anakin would sort of be embrace the role of the son by becoming Darth Vader. They never really go into that too deeply if that's actually what happens or not because he never really embodies the essence of the son, right, at that point. But we know that there's a connection here to Mortis, and the, the Mortis stuff's going to come back in a big, bad way when this story is picked up, uh, presumably in season two, even though it's not announced yet. So, yeah, the, sorry, a little technical difficulty right there. But, yeah, the, the Moray is an indicator that Ahsoka is right where she needs to be. And as we get, like, these sort of series of mini epilogues uh, that sort of set the table for what's to come, uh, the Moray is, 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 is a moment for the audience to, again, if you know that connection, you know that it's a big deal. And what you're going to see at the very end of the episode is an even bigger deal. Uh, because we're not done with Pridia by a long shot. But Ahsoka's where she needs to be right now. This is where the forces led her. And there's a connection to the Mortis characters, the, the gods of Mortis. There's something here on the planet connecting to them. Uh, and I can't wait to explore that further. Uh, what we get next is, again, we find... Well, finding is not quite the right word. But at the end of last episode... When Balin Skull breaks off from Shin Hati, he tells her to go back and rejoin the new, to be part of the new empire that she wants to be part of with her ambitions and everything like that. Except that's not where we find her in this episode. And I, I wonder how much of that was was the original plan or if there was a last-minute audible with the passing of Ray Stevenson and they changed the plan so that Shin would be the character who could be our, folk, our, our uh, sort of gatekeeper on... Balin Skull's beliefs and information, right? Because if we don't have Ray Stevenson moving forward, uh, someone has to be able to tell the story of Balin Skull, right? And and Shin makes the most sense. So maybe maybe the plan was to have her to be Thrawn's sort of right hand uh, uh, Jedi at his disposal, like he had in the Heir to the Empire books when Jorah Seaboth. Um, and then they called they they called the audible with the passing of Ray Stevenson. Or it's possible this was the the, the plan all along. That, that, that Shin would walk her own path and not just go back to the Empire. So she, we find her this time, and she goes to those raiders, those, those nomadic raiders, the Red Raiders, that we saw her working with last time to hunt down uh, Sabine and Ahsoka and everyone. She goes back to them, and, and I'm assuming wants a position of leadership amongst them. Um, hard to say for sure, but that's who we now find Shin with. And, and we cut to Bale and Skull. Balin Skull doing very Balin Skull things. Because 
I, I didn't. How much do I want to say? <laughs> it's it's Lord. Of the, it's obviously imagery that's evocative of Lord of the Rings. Him standing on the giant statue of the father with the finger pointed in the direction of which he needs to go to find the source of the power that he's seeking. This way to break the cycle of light and dark. This power that he's looking to unleash. Um, again, the imagery is evocative of Lord of the Rings. I can't help that. That's just the way it is. But as we pull back from the shot to see more of the, of the statue that he's on, again, it is, you know, it's very much the father. And to the father's left, we see the son. To the right, it looks like the image of the daughter has been destroyed. Now, is that intentional? Or does that have more to do with the when the daughter uh, sacrificed herself, gave her essence over to bring Ahsoka back? Uh, is that part of why that why the daughter is no longer there in, in, in that, uh, that giant statue that's, that's carved into the side of that mountain? Questions, questions, questions. Uh, and then we cut to our, our, our Grand Admiral, our beloved Grand Admiral, as he now sets up shop on Dathomir. We arrive to the red planet of Dathomir, and I believe this is like the first time we're seeing this in live action. Uh, we arrive in orbit of Dathomir. We see the cavernous hangars of the, of the Star Destroyer Chimera and the, the countless, uh, uh, what we assume are the bodies of fallen Night Brothers and Night Sisters and, and probably some Stormtroopers in there too. That will be the army that Thrawn needs to fight a new galactic civil war and and bring the new republic to its knees which i don't think is going to take a whole lot <laughs> but that's just me uh and then we cut back to uh the route the the new republic fleet in in home one uh where a uh imperial shuttle makes its way aboard home one and a stormtrooper in remnant battered armor uh descends the gangway chopper seems to recognize who it is harris stares on and we find that Ezra, once again, has disguised himself as a stormtrooper, a, a, a classic calling card from his time in Rebels, and also, obviously, to Luke Skywalker in Episode 4. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it sets up a lot of things. It's all about, uh, again, the, the, the table set, right? Like, we reversed the where we started the season, right? Now Ahsoka, Sabine are the ones in purgatory uh, with Balin Skull and Shin Hati preparing to unleash some sort of uh, uh, possibly massive threat to uh, the Jedi, not only the Jedi, but possibly the galaxy uh, by, by giving us a chance to explore more connections to uh, the gods of Mortis, exploring the father, the son, the daughter, these, 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 Elements from season three of the Clone Wars. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to getting into that. Those were some really crazy episodes. Uh, really got into like some really wild elements of the Force that we haven't gotten to explore a ton of in recent years. So it'd be fun to go back to those. But meanwhile, the rest of the galaxy will be in peril, and I, I think it's going to be real, real interesting uh, to see just exactly how that's all going to shake out. Um, there's a closing moment here in the episode with Ahsoka and Sabine, and I want to cue that up for you guys right now. You did well. Did I? Thrawn got away. 
And thanks to you, Ezra got home. I hope. He did. Ezra's where he needs to be. And so are we. And then the scene keeps going and the music keeps swelling and it's this sort of hopeful, ethereal kind of music, right? And when we pull back as as Ahsoka and, and Sabine take turns looking at the at the sky and, and you know, sort of feeling the force, right? They feel a the presence there and, and it, we pull back and we find the force ghost of Anakin Skywalker looking out of, for them, watching over them, keeping an eye on Ahsoka, being there by Ahsoka's side as he always has been. Uh, it's a, It was one of those moments, I, I was actually surprised how much it kind of got me emotionally. I was like, oh, that's a nice touch right there at the very, very end there. And like, why not, right? We're finding out that, you know, if, if we're going to keep Peridia as our sort of purgatory allegory, uh, like, why not have this, the spirit of Anakin Skywalker be able to access purgatory, right? That's a character who put himself through tons of purgatory. Uh, but obviously we know there's a connection to the Force here, right? Another connection to the mother, the, I'm sorry, the mother, the father, the daughter, and the son, right? Another connection to Mortis, uh, something that Anakin had contact with. Uh, these things make a lot of sense in a lot of ways, but also it's just kind of cool. Even without those connections there, it's just kind of cool for the Force ghosts of, of Anakin Skywalker to appear uh, and, 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 and show that he's still watching out for Ahsoka even now, even after everything. Uh, it was a really cool moment. And I was trying to think if a Force ghost has ever appeared to someone not named Luke Skywalker, and I can't I can't remember if anything in, in the hard canon, uh, if that's happened before. You know, well, I guess Obi-Wan, right? Obi-Wan saw Qui-Gon. But that's kind of it, right? Like, it's a very small circle of, of people that the Force ghosts have appeared to. Uh, so that's a pretty interesting thing there. And, and you know, and again, it, it doesn't seem like Ahsoka sees the Force ghost, but I think she definitely feels Anakin's presence there. And it comforts her, uh, which is a very, very nice touch. And that puts the cap on uh, season one of Ahsoka. And, you know, again, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a good ride. We got where we needed to go. We got where we think we all kind of knew where we were going. Um, you know, our characters end up in a different place than where they started. And, again, yeah, it's sort of like a, a reversal of where our, everyone was at the beginning of the, of the, of the show, right? But... The question is, how long will Ahsoka and Sabine stay on Pridia? Because it, it, to me, it seems like that would be a fairly big focus if there's a season two of our characters split off from each other. Ahsoka and Sabine dealing with Shin and Balin on this planet, uh, potentially unleashing some sort of uh, uh, force entity, uh, insanely powerful force entity. You know, Abelos has been a big rumor. Uh, in the in the online community for a while now, but whether it's Abeloth or something else connected more strong more strongly to the Mortis arc from Star Wars: The Clone Wars is to be determined. Uh, but this so this sets us up with two parallel stories for next season. You know what's going on on Peridia, and 
the coming civil war that Thrawn will unleash on the galaxy, which would allow Ezra, Hera, Zeb, Chopper, uh, whatever are there other rebel characters? Maybe we maybe we bring in some of the other characters from from Star Wars Rebels. Maybe we get to see live action Rex come in, come into play uh, to to combat this. You know, maybe it gives us a chance to bring in Luke Skywalker. Maybe that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? You know, again, I we there's so many different directions, so many different routes they could go, and then you have to ask the question like, no, this, this once whatever's unleashed on Purdy is unleashed. How do our heroes get back to the main galaxy? Because assuming, obviously, the the the, the idea being like whatever Balin unleashes would come back to the main Star Wars galaxy to cause uh, irrevocable harm to everyone else, right? So how do our heroes get back? Uh, is it is it riding Star Wars again? Do we end up getting into the concept of Stargates, uh, which has been teased in old uh, expanded universe stuff before? Um, no, Hypergates, excuse me. Stargates are Stargate. Um, the Hypergates are Star Wars. Uh, so there, there's a lot to, to get answers for, a lot of questions we need to have asked and answered. We need so much more. And as we make this uh, podcast, as we make this recording, they still haven't announced season two of Ahsoka yet. So we know nothing you know, will this story pick up in Ahsoka? Will it pick up in a different series? Uh, will certain elements of it be picked up in a new live-action version of Rebels? I mean, is there is, what what will be coming next? I guess is the question, uh, because we have so many of them, and obviously we're setting things up, we're getting things queued up for that Dave Filoni directed uh, Star Wars film that will put a cap on uh, this New Republic era, and and there's just so much to get into, so much we need to have answered and addressed. Um, we will get a chance to play Speculation Theater next week uh, because before we get back into uh, doing our Star Wars The Clone Wars rewatches, uh, we're in season six, the, the, the aborted season. Uh, we are going to have a big conversation with our friend Reagan from Come On, It's Still Good podcast. Uh, you know, he's been on the podcast before. He's my, my, my bucket-headed brother uh, and a guy who read all the Throne books with me. So we have a lot of opinions. We have a lot of thoughts. And uh, oops, that just fell over. And we're going to be able to get into the series, uh, what worked for us, what didn't, what do we want to see next. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. It should be a big, fun episode. So I hope you guys tune into that one. That's right. Reagan from Come On, It's So Good will be back. Uh, and I am just I, – I, I haven't talked to him much about the series because I, I was really, really hoping to have him on. I teased this last week. I was really hoping he would say he'd come back on and talk about this, talk about the show with us. So I didn't want to get too much of his opinion early. <laughs> I really want to get his his uh, his hot takes uh, and, and hear them for the first time with you, with you guys as an as a together in a, as an audience, right? So it's going to be a good time. Get ready for that next week uh, as we kind of put, kind of put a bow on season one of Ahsoka, and that'll also give me a chance to rewatch the entire season between now and then. So that should be a good time. And, and we'll have a lot of talking points to get into. It'll be a really fun conversation. Uh, I give the episode nine buckets. Uh, the series, I think the season overall is, is worthy of an eight and a half, nine, somewhere right around there. You know, it, it, it didn't do anything uh, shocking. It didn't elevate anything in any way that we didn't expect it to. It kind of went the way we all expected it to go. And there's nothing wrong with that. The journey is, you know, sometimes more important than, than the destination. And... 
I had a great time watching the show. There's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of cool moments, a lot of uh, uh, fun little tidbits of information and, and knowledge that they give us, but there's still big chunks of it, big swaths of it that we want for ourselves because we're greedy that way. So yeah, just go watch Ahsoka and the rest of Star Wars, everything else. Check it all out. You got a lot of time between the next show. So <laughs> get after it. All right, this has been the Mandovision Podcast. Buckethead Nation, you are the best. I thank you so, so much for hanging around and, and, and always supporting the podcast. It means the world to me. I am your host, Nargai Tom, and thank you, thank you, thank you again. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. I hope you enjoyed it, the show. I hope you stick around and have a good time with us. Uh, we have a lot of fun here. Uh, reach out to us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If your podcasting platform allows it, uh, five-star reviews. They help out small shows like us stand out, not get lost in the extra-galactic shuffle, not get swallowed by Purgle. Uh, it's just a good time to be had if you can give us a sweet, sweet, sweet five-star review. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, Buckethead Nation, you are the best. We got a great Star Wars show. Let's rewatch it. Let's soak it in. Uh, and let's have some fun because uh, it it looks like we don't have a lot of Star Wars coming up for a little bit. I think Bad Batch is coming soon, but not too not soon enough. Uh, so we'll talk about that more next week as well. Uh, so stay tuned. Reagan's coming to hang out with us next week. We're going to put a bow on everything Ahsoka and look forward to the future with Star Wars. So continue to be great Star Wars fans. Get your friends to watch the shows and just be awesome. Be excellent. Be Buckethead Nation. You are the best. And remember, uh, before we get out of here, just be awesome. Always be awesome and awesome to other people. Let's get out of here, friends. <laughs> remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I find that answer vague and unconvincing. <laughs>